Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast, where somebody's got to say it. My name is Patrick Hayes, your regular host, and with me this evening, all the way down in Rosebud, Texas, is my good friend, Caleb Jenks, who never fights with his wife. (laughs) Good evening, Patrick. So that's why I'd pick pick a fight with you any day over my wife. (laughs) Uh, So... Uh, tonight's topic, uh, the title of it is How to Fight with Your Wife. Obviously, that title is just clickbait. The goal here is to learn how not to fight with your wife or how to fight with your wife successfully and civilly and briefly and productively is kind of the idea. So anyway, we wanted to just go over this because, you know, Caleb, something that comes up all the time in mostly in my wife's life is other ladies especially ladies younger than her who are newer to marriage or maybe they're engaged they'll often ask do you and patrick ever fight (laughs) well and i mean obviously we do everybody fights everybody disagrees I think what they probably mean is a little bit more along the lines of like, what's it like when you guys fight? Like, how do you guys fight? You know, is it like a knockdown drag out, you know, all out brawl or have you guys figured out how to do this like adults? So that's a little bit about what I wanted to talk about, how to fight with your wife. Now, before we go into that, Please go to BibleThumperPodcast.com. Please find out wherever you want to listen to the podcast. Go there and rate the podcast. Share it with a friend. Like it. Give it a review. Subscribe to it. Whatever you can do, it helps us out tremendously. Also, go to our YouTube channel, which you can find on that website, BibleThumperPodcast.com. Go to the YouTube channel. Subscribe to it like it hit the little alarm bell it helps us out a lot that's all i got caleb tell me what your favorite way is to fight with your wife do you guys typically do pistols at dawn or do you guys get out the nunchucks and the throwing stars so i I have a bunch i have a bunch of ways we could go with this but i just wanted to hear what what were your thoughts when i first brought up uh this topic and uh you know Oh, it's kind of funny because I was I was definitely not on board with the idea to start with. The more I thought about it, it's like, you know what? I mean, it's something it's kind of interesting because uh, a fight with anybody else other than the person you love and live with is uh-huh. kind of whatever. I okay. mean, I like I don't mind recalling different disagreements or arguments I've had with different people and the resolution or whatever. But when it's somebody that you live with, oh, yeah. it obviously becomes a whole lot more personal. It's, you know, you you. you and uh so ideally i would i wish that the answer was always oh no yeah of course we don't fight right i mean that's mm-hmm. uh, that's like when if a christian asks you do you ever sin or if no! you wife, do you and patrick Me? ever fight yeah exactly obviously you want the answer to be no when you first get married you don't say hey will you marry me and come fight with me the rest of our lives that's sure. not the goal yeah so you wish you didn't but uh, that being said um it's interesting because i I don't like the term fight. 
But in all sure. reality, I mean, that's what most people call it when there's a disagreement in the in the home. And I think there's a difference between fighting and conf- conflict resolution when you're when you're actually trying to resolve a problem together as a team. That's totally it. different than going to war. Totally get it. Totally, totally agree. Like I said, the the title was for the purpose of clickbait. All right. Yeah. Anyways. So yeah, I guess uh, the. The truth of it is, I don't think that anyone who says I, I don't ever sin as a Christian or mm. I don't ever fight with my spouse, they're not being intellectually honest. Uh, I agree. It's just not the way that it goes. Everyone has disagreements. You always have your bad days. So, yeah, of course, uh, I thought, well, it's wise for Christians to talk about this, right? We, we shouldn't yeah. just pretend like, you know, put yeah. on our happy plastic faces and show up to church like everything's always. Yeah, away. exactly. So, yeah, Stop pretending. OK, let's figure right. out what have we learned in how many years have you been married now? Uh, 12. Okay. And I think we just celebrated 17. Okay. No. Yeah. Yeah. 17. I'm pretty sure it's 17. I'd have to count. I don't know about you, but I constantly forget. I'm like, okay, my oldest is 16. So I know it's more than that. Right. So, so it's like, is it 17 or 18? Yeah, in so it'll be years. 13 years for us in April, so okay. 12 and a half. So in those years, I've learned a lot. And obviously, I've learned a lot of Bible, and there's a lot of good stuff in the Bible that I wanted to bring up. So do you want to start off with, with your, what's your, what is your top solution? How do you not fight with your wife? Get, just give me your top so, number one and then I'll okay go. so so since the since this uh episode has the risk of being audited by my yeah uh, oh you're wife. i'm gonna forward there, your wife i'm going to give one caveat podcast. at the beginning of it and that is okay so i aspire there's uh-huh. you know we all have our ideals yeah what you aspire to do and what you actually do in real life yeah. can be can be different from time to time um i would say that i'm not the most patient person i'm not um i'm also not one that's given to violence and anger and stuff like that either. Mm -hmm. So some people have said I'm pretty patient. I think I I have a harder time being patient with my wife than I do with other people. Yeah. So what I have to remind myself of is I'm actually usually there's, there's a couple of things that I remind myself of going into an argument or a disagreement. And I'm usually pretty good at being civil with, with anyone else outside of the home, outside of family, if it's somebody on the street that I disagree with, somebody that I don't care about, mm-hmm. uh, in the professional world, say clients, p- people that you deal with in business, you can you can deal with somebody uh, and be cordial even if you don't care about them. It's harder once you get all wrapped up in emotions in a marriage to be as kind to your wife as you are to somebody else. So on the they fight on the nonce, right. <laughs> So on the, on the, on the, uh, I would say that on the non Christian side of myself, if mm-hmm. I'm coming into a fight, I'm not really feeling that much like a Christian at the, at the time. I'm really not being led by the Holy spirit. I'm upset. You know, you're in the heat of the moment. I try to remind myself to at least be as kind to my wife as I would be to another woman. Like I mm-hmm. need to at least treat her with as much respect as mm-hmm. I would to somebody that I'm not married to. And so that's always my number one rule of thumb. Number two is obviously we are a team. The Bible says we are the two become one in marriage. Mm-hmm. And so a win for the team is not always winning the argument. So I try to remind myself of that, that winning an argument um, 
could be losing the fight if if it causes a fight. So you got to pick your battles. Doesn't mean that I always just take everything, but I think that's good to remember that you know if your wife is up, upset about the choice of clothes that one of your children's wearing or something pretty trivial. That's not a fight that I want to, if I win that argument, I really lost. If I end up with a bad day with my wife, like I don't care <laughs> what the kids are wearing. So yeah, picking your battles and, and trying to at least be as nice to them as you would in the profession, you know, in your profession or something like that is two things that I, that I oftentimes remind myself of going into a fight. It's a good idea because your wife is much less likely to call 911 and get a restraining order on you. Whereas people <laughs> in the professional world, you know, right. they're, they're more than happy to do that <laughs> if you start getting mean. Right. Okay. So here is my, th this is one of the big things that I learned as far as helping to not fight with my wife. And that is to meet regularly so my wife and i have a regular meeting every week we set aside time and we said okay this is the this is the day and the time that we're going to get together and we are going to just chit chat and we have a regular meeting every week to discuss the family discuss any of the problems we have with any of the kids to discuss finances to discuss the calendar to discuss the vision that we have for the family and that regular meeting has really helped us to get things that are on our mind out in the open and share it with the other person and get it done quickly rather than allowing stuff to build up so if there's a problem the longest that our problems will go before we confront them and we talk about them is six days because on the seventh day we get together and we talk about whatever's going on uh, in the bible in proverbs chapter 29 verse 18 the bible says where there is no vision the people perish now that's a very famous bible verse but it is also very applicable not just for a nation not just for a church it's also very applicable for a family and if you don't have a vision well none of us know where we're going so for us what we have started doing that's been a big help is we don't wait for things to go bad joanna and i we have a bunch of goals we have goals for our finances we have goals for her and i and our lives and our uh, spiritually speaking we have uh, goals for physical fitness we have goals for the kids and what we do is we sit down and we get a little plan together and you know the plan is how are we going to achieve this goal and then what we do is we check up on these things every week. Hey, how are we doing? Is this realistic? How about this? Should we change that? It's really helped just to have a set time where we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about stuff. Along with that, I have a journal that I carry with me everywhere I go. And whenever I have a thought about, oh, we need to do this, we need to stop doing that, you know, what about this thing that's coming up? I just jot it down and then I open that up on Friday and bada bing, we know, you know, what we're talking about. My wife does the same thing. So we try to just stay ahead of things 
with the family calendar, uh, with goals that we have. Um, you know, we discuss how the plans are going. Do we need to pivot? Do we need to change something? Was this unrealistic? Is this working out? It has helped tremendously. So we're always talking. And because of that, it seems like we're able to avoid a lot of the problems. Um, and like have I said, you, oh, have ahead. you tried the other way where you go for months uh, just to be more economical with it? Yeah. Where you go like two or three months and, without talking well, to your wife. Well, in the hopes that maybe, maybe you forget, you know, about mm-hmm. half of it and it's not, not, it's a non-issue by the time that you do get around to it, it's just self-resolved. Does that seem to work you well know, or have you experimented with that? We have tried that. We actually have a okay. few couples that we're friends with that have been trying that for years. Uh, okay. one of them and there's still couples no no no. one got divorced about three weeks ago okay. it's final and the other one is currently in counseling uh getting ready to get a divorce so okay. we do have some experience with that that's always that's always a good time to go for counseling too is when you're going through the divorce yeah. <laughs> ready for the divorce right yeah you can, yeah you can on always the, yeah on the build that. up to the divorce how do we make this divorce as smooth as possible so what I, what I tell people a lot is that a goal without a plan is just a dream and it's not going to happen. It's just, you know, hopes and dreams. We have to have a plan. Uh, we have to have a practical system in place uh, that's going to help us to achieve or um, move this plan forward. So one day we can achieve the goal. And I'm a big fan, Caleb. There's one saying by a pastor that I really liked, and I hate even bringing this guy's name up because (laughs) he fell away from Christianity due to sin. And it's terrible because it's like, oh, should I still quote this guy? The fact is everything that he taught and the books he wrote and the things that he said were still very helpful. Um, But uh, one of the things that he said was, if you don't know where you're going, then any train will get you there. And, and that's the idea is it, if we don't have a vision, if we don't have a plan, then, you know, we're, we could just be driving in circles and kind of wasting our time. So one thing that I always want to bring up, and this is an important one for, for anyone who's listening, it is the job of the husband to lead the family. Just like the CEO of a company, it's our job to have a vision. It's our job to set some goals. It's our job to have a plan as to how we're going to achieve those goals. And we need to bring our wife along (laughs) into these meetings. We need to discuss these things with her. Um, It's a great way to figure out when one of our plans is a stupid plan and that we shouldn't do it. Um, You know, our wife is great at letting us know when we are being stupid and, and going in a stupid direction. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, uh, believe me, they, they, they know our weaknesses. <laughs> yeah, they, they do. And, and that's one of the strengths of a wife is to help us uh, be realistic and to help us think through things. So anyway, I, um, in Ephesians five twenty three, it says for the husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church. This is what I say. If there is, if the house is not orderly, if the house is not organized, if the home and the family does not have goals, do not have plans in place, it's the fault of the husband. It is our job to lead our home. We have to have the vision. 
we have to have set the goals. We have to develop a plan. We need to uh, bring our wife along with us, and we need to get together, husband and wife, and ha- and share that vision. And then, uh, you know, you guys are a team as far as uh, bringing the kids along in this direction. All of that just to say we have regular meetings and it helps a lot your thoughts well i think that's i mean i guess this sounds like cliche but i mean you've heard communication is key yeah and so when when the majority of communication devolves into damage control when things are out of control and just fire extinguishers everywhere (laughs) exactly (laughs) well then it, it can put a bad taste in your mouth where you don't even want to go into the next conversation. Whereas if you can continue to knock things off the list and keep things under control, then, I mean, oftentimes for my wife and I, if things are going well, we can have discussions about things that that could be a fight, but we can have it over dinner at, on a date night and it's an enjoyable conversation. You know, we mm-hmm. can, it's, it might be some things that we have some disagreement on or we're trying to figure out which way we're going to go with something or navigate with it. But if you can keep things going well and work together, yeah, maybe there, maybe, maybe there's as a company, a CEO of a company, there's going to be tough things to negotiate at times or figure out how to deal with. But if you just come in from a meeting where everybody uh, hates each other mm-hmm. and everything's going terrible and you just got through running down the list of how everybody's failing at this and failing at that and the company's failing with this it's it's never going to be an enjoyable conversation as opposed to if you have regular regular meetings and can and can uh, deal with con- conflicts before they become a conflict that's that's key i think uh so that's that's how to avoid fighting your with with your wife i think that's a really good a really good uh, plan that you guys have there well, and something else that we do is over time, we get to see how we are making progress towards our goals. And we get right. to check things off the list and say, hey, we achieved you know, this goal. And then obviously an easy goal that we can quantify is a financial one. We say, you know what? We just feel like we're not saving any money. We need to start saving money. How much money do you think we can save? Okay, let's try that. What are we going to save up to? How? What? Wh- when will we say, you know what? This amount we feel good that we have in savings just kind of as an emergency fund. Okay, great. We have a number. And then all of a sudden at the end of the year, if you've stuck to the plan, you can look back and you can say, hey, we're doing great. Can you believe this? Look at this. We're doing, right. you know, this is wonderful. And it is is very encouraging to see you can set a goal you can put a plan in place you develop a system to help you um, move uh, forward with the plan and all of a sudden you turn around it's like wow look at this we were concerned about this thing we got together we got on the same page we started heading in the right direction and look at this it's no longer a concern in our life anymore all right, what do you? What else you got, Caleb? How do you like to fight with your wife? <laughs> so um, there's a Bible, a Bible verse here that I'm going to talk about. The Bible specifically says not to uh, bring up your wife's mother to her, and I wanted to bring really? that in. Uh, yeah, it does in Titus. So whoa, 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 whoa! You're not to bring up your wife's mother to her. In the of a fight. In like, yeah. in what way? 
Well, like, so if you're, you're just like your mother, and you're, like and you're, like, you're phrase, just like your mother. You're just like your mother. So you, you're wait. So you're saying not to say that. Is that right? Yeah. That, the right, Bible says on, not. To hold say on. That. Let me let me get a pad out. Okay. Okay. I, I wanted to get so, that is helpful. Yes. Thank you. So Titus. Yeah. Titus chapter three, verse nine. It says, but if, avoid foolish questions and genealogies. That's mm-hmm. referring to her mother right there and contentions mm-hmm. and strivings about the law for they are unprofitable and vain. So I've, I've found that uh, to be helpful, not to, not to com- compare your wife to her mother. <laughs> no. So anyways, I, that I was thinking of this first because if this this isn't specifically relating to marriage, wait, but it wait, does, wait, it wait, 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 wait. What about comparing your wife to your mother? Well, there you go. There's there's another good one. Like, oh all yeah, my the mother's different ways. That, yeah, like, <laughs> man, my mom never did that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, top no, ten passive aggressive comments to make <laughs> to your wife. <laughs> Okay, oh, yeah. go ahead. So there's this there's a Christian comedian that put out a a, uh, a video recently on how to solve uh, how to how to solve conflicts with your wife. It's mm-hmm. pretty funny. Um, it was all the things you really shouldn't say. Yeah, yeah. I anyway, think you shared that one with me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, so <clears throat> unprofitable and vain, uh, foolish, foolish strivings. This is referring to us in the church and mm-hmm. and fighting in the church about stupid things. But I think it, it definitely, it, uh, it's a, it applies to marriage. Oftentimes we pick fights over stupid, uh, foolish, unprofitable things. And this is, uh, obviously, uh, I was just making the joke about the genealogy there, but, uh, because that's a, a silly thing to be comparing your wife to any other woman, whether it's her sure. mom, your mom, yeah. anyone else. But it's, it's really interesting how oftentimes we as Christians, and I think that sometimes Christians are worse at marriage because of this, because we as Christians are more prone to becoming stuck in the mud about certain things, becoming more uh, idealistic about our goals. We have, we have goals that we ourselves don't necessarily even live up to or attain, but we hold other people to those standards. Wait, because now, we're striving wait, for, now for you're holiness. talking about pastors. Okay. <laughs> and I, yeah, I wasn't going to name offended. you. I was not going to name you personally. You but. just outlined my entire philosophy of preaching. Okay. <laughs> idealistic, unrealistic things that I don't even do in my life. Hypocritical. Exactly. You just nailed it. That's the trifecta of preaching. You're saying well, you, not to do that you with your to. wife? <laughs> Caleb, Unless this is gonna... gold. I should have had you on here months ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, pastors pastors staying married don't have a real great track record either, so that could be part of it. But no, I mean, it seems that, uh, you know, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You know, it seems like we should be the most forbearing in a marriage, right? The Christians should, the, mar- the statistics on Christian marriage should be way better than non-Christians. And unfortunately, it's not. Mm-hmm. Now, now we should, I should, sorry, were you? Yeah, were go you, ahead. Okay, go ahead. is it okay? So one thing I want to add to that, just to give a little bit of perspective, when we're talking about that, understand that the reason Christian marriages should be better than worldly marriages is because Christians are supposed to have a walk with God. 
They are supposed to have a time when they read their Bible. They're supposed to have time when they pray. They're supposed to have times when they fast. They're supposed to regularly be under an authority, which is your pastor at your local church who teaches you the Bible. These are things that we are regularly supposed to do. We are supposed to. Which just one one hour a week knocks all that. (laughs) You go to church for one hour. Whoa. Your church meets for one whole hour? (laughs) You need to get a church with more smoke machines and laser beams. Because let me tell you, those guys get you in and out in 30 minutes. Well, they have to because the next. (laughs) The next theater uh, showing is coming up in 45 minutes. So the idea is if we are doing those things and we are taking our relationship with God seriously, we are going to be under conviction of the Holy Spirit when we act like a jerk, when we are impatient, when we're doing all these things. To be honest with you, Caleb, I'm not even kidding you. One of the main reasons I think divorces and Christianity are so the numbers are just as bad as the world one of the number one reasons i don't think most christians are saved right i absolutely i am every day i lose faith in christians actually being saved and i think that's the problem there's no holy spirit in a lot of people i think a lot of people go to church and a lot of people call themselves christians but for some reason everyone like skipped over this part about you know for whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved for if you believe in the heart that god has raised him for that if you confess with the mouth the lord jesus and shall believe in thine heart that god hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved for with the mouth confession is made unto salvation and with the heart man believeth unto righteousness i don't know if that's the exact quote that's romans 10 9 and 10 uh and also verse 13 i think a lot of people you know are not born again verily verily i say unto thee except a man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of god i don't think a lot of people are saved i think a lot of people go to church they don't get saved they don't get baptized the holy spirit is not inside of them and then they're wondering why their life is such a wreck and so much of their life looks just like the world i think that's a lot of the cases um you know and then the other people that get saved i don't think a lot of them have a walk with god uh there's a lot of folks that i think have a lot of really bad sin in their life and uh because of that that messes you up you know you're going to be mad at yourself and you're going to take it out on your spouse and your kids and you know everything in your life sorry i i interrupted you there um no those are good points you you know when the when the the bible version of the gospel that you just uh bring up uh-huh. doesn't specifically coincide with the general uh message the messaging that's being projected by the churches in america where, where, okay, so you have people that are broken, their lives are messed up, they want an answer, so they turn to religion, they turn to Christianity, they, they go to church, they show up to church, and the gospel isn't preached, but instead it's like, oh yeah, we're cool like everybody else, come here, you don't have to change a thing, yeah. we're, we're just like you. It's like, wait, why am I here? If, yeah. if the gospel isn't going to change my life, then yeah. So I, I agree, I, I agree that probably, um, I don't know, I don't know if there will be anybody laughing uh, on judgment day or mm-hmm. not, but I, I would imagine that there's, that there's probably going to be quite a few, a few people that show up on judgment day and they're like, Oh yeah, I, I identify as a Christian. And I just, I, I, I just, I'll laugh if I just someone says imagine that. There's going to be quite a few people just busting up. Yeah. Like, you what? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. 
so the, your life not not uh, corresponding with your your faith is is a problem. But yeah, as far as as far as uh, my point there about Christians should be better at at conflict and aren't, I think comes from this high minded. Uh, maybe a strive a striving to be holier or or more like Christ that becomes more enforcing our ideals on on other people and so oftentimes i see christians picking fights with other christians over useless things genealogies whatever you you have it and i see spouses doing the same with their wife i, I mean i do the same thing with my wife there's times where i'm where i catch myself i'm like wait why am i doing this you know mm-hmm. i don't even hold myself to this ideal why would i look down or have some sort of a negative perspective of my wife because she's imperfect well we're all not perfect and so it grace goes a long ways in a marriage i think but that was that was my point on that Okay, I have an idea I wanted to bring up here, and this is a big one. We should know when not to fight with our wife. Hmm. I think way too many people don't recognize when it's a bad time. Okay, have you ever heard the acronym HALT, H-A-L-T? No. It stands for Hungry, Angry, Lonely, Tired. When you are too much of one of those things, your attitude goes in the dumper. Right. You, you, it is very hard to keep a good, positive, encouraging, reasonable attitude. You're in a bad mood. Okay. You're hungry. You're angry. You're lonely. You're tired. You have a couple of those things going on. And let me tell you. Have you, let me ask you this, Caleb, with little kids, because your kids are a little bit younger than mine are, so you, you're closer to that time. When do your kids have a meltdown? Yeah, one of those times. Right? When they're, when they're really when they're tired. tired. You got it. And they're hungry. Guess what? Adults are no different. And I think right. there are far too many people that those things are going on in their day and they don't recognize them. And it's like, look, just don't get into it. Don't start it. Right. Don't talk. Okay. Just say, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to go get something to eat. And I'm going to go, um, you know, I'm going to go to bed because right. nothing good is going to happen because I've had a long, exhausting day. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I dealt with morons at work all day long. So I'm angry and nothing productive is going to happen. Sweetie, can we just talk tomorrow? Right. It's not you. It's me. I had a bad day. I'm just telling you, nothing good's going to come of it. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's very reasonable and not enough people do it. Here's another one. You ready? This one's for the ladies. If your husband works like a traditional job, okay, eight, nine, 10 hours a day, working at a factory, working construction, whatever, working in an office, if he's working with a bunch of people, when he comes home, what he needs more than anything, is for you to hug him and kiss him and give him his favorite beverage and let him sit in his easy, lazy boy recliner for 30 minutes, take his shoes off. No, I'm not saying you have to take his shoes off. Let him take his shoes off and just relax and keep the kids away from him. Just let him decompress for 30 minutes. It, it is it will help so much there is nothing worse than coming home and having 
you know, for me, it's six kids who all have questions, you know, and my wife that needs to talk to me about 10 things. And it's like, I just got home. I thought this was the place where I could like let my guard down and feel safe and comfortable and relax. (laughs) And I just got assaulted by a bunch of midgets, you know, (laughs) and it's like, I, so that's been a thing for me, you know, my wife, she'll yell at the kids, get away from your father, you know, just let (laughs) we're going to give him a glass of iced tea he's going to take off his work boots he's going to go take a shower we're all going to shut up and just leave him alone you know for half an hour and lo and behold you know he comes back and he's in such a better mood okay so i wish you we have a comment we have a comment here so and i appreciate this this is a lady from my church men need at least one hour they rebuild testosterone in that hour. Women like to connect after work, but you have to wait and let that magic hour happen. It's science. There you go. Huh. You can just call me Dr. Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that, I wish that you would have not left. I wish you would have just left the line about that she doesn't need to take your shoes off. I was actually, yeah, you were going through that whole thing, and I was planning to edit a, a clip of it for YouTube short. And then you just ruined it. Uh, Anyways. Okay. So what do you I think, just, Caleb? Is that is that reasonable? Yeah, I, I, I'll i say it's probably oftentimes is reasonable and would be nice. That being said, when I come home, sometimes I realize that my wife being at home with the kids, mm-hmm. she dealt with them all day, and she needs that 30 minutes of a break. It's like, finally, there's somebody else here. So it kind of depends. So there's yeah. times where you're going through a stressful time and, and you're going to kind of need your wife to help uh, carry you through those times and vice versa. There's times where your wife really, you know, she's at her wits end when by the time you come home and you can't expect that of her. So I, I would say, yeah, there's certainly times. I mean, there's times for me where I have. Uh, so I usually am tired or hungry or something yeah. <laughs> by the time that I walk in the door. And I kind of I kind of prep myself for trying to make sure whenever I do walk in the door that I am ready to to kind of put on my game face and do whatever is needed, you know, change a diaper or, you know, do whatever, whatever I need to do to try to keep things running smoothly. Your schedule is very different from most people. Well, and that's what I was going to say. You get home at like 8 a.m., right? Well, usually four or five a.m. Okay, so you get home and you have like an hour to yourself before the kids are getting up and you're getting them ready for school. So your your schedule is a little different, is what, and that's why I prefaced it with like, okay, your your typical if it's normal, yeah, yeah, schedule. Okay, so let me go over. So let me go over one when you're dealing with a problem. Okay, so you and your wife, there's a problem. You gotta get into it, and you're gonna have a disagreement you're going to argue you're going to fight use whatever word you want i really don't care we're talking semantics here okay ephesians chapter 4 verses 26 and 27 be ye angry and sin not let not the sun go down upon your wrath neither give place to the devil now i'm not what i'm going to focus on on this portion of scripture is to be angry and sin not my point is you can be angry about something but you don't have to act out in a sinful manner 
And what I mean by that is when you're having the conversation, so your wife might have done something, your kids might have done something, uh, some, something broke down, the wheels came off and it fell apart and the house, just, you know, is just not doing well. And you got to talk about this thing. That's fine. Can we do it like an adult? No sarcasm. Not being mean. It's okay that we're angry about something, but can Caleb, do you know the difference between infants and adults? The, the difference is we have self-control of our emotions. That's something right. that children need to be trained. Some parents are very bad at this. They never train their kids to understand that, look, just because you are wildly upset and you want to burst into tears and throw a fit, you can't do it. That's right. part of growing up and being able to control our emotions is we have to learn a better way to deal with our emotions. And we, we can't always just let them all out wherever we are, whenever we are. So in the same way, when I need to bring something up with my wife, there's a problem. We got to get into it. One of the things I got to remember is it's okay if I'm angry about something, but she doesn't have to see that. And she's going to see it if I'm a jerk, if, the, if I'm using sarcasm, if I'm being mean. Proverbs 15, 1, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. So someone has to act like a mature adult when the other person is fighting. I, okay, so if Joanna's upset, I don't have to fight back. And it goes the same for the ladies. It's a good lesson for them to learn as well. Sometimes your husband, he's going to be the jerk. You don't have to fight back. Okay, that soft answer turns away wrath. So we want to give a soft answer. We want to calm everything down. The term is de-escalation. So have you ever heard of the idea of verbal jujitsu? Mm -mm. So when someone gets in your face and gets upset with you so in the in the service industries okay you, you know you burnt their coca-cola or their you know there's there's too much ice in their coffee or you know whatever it is right people are going to come up and they're going to be real mad you learn to de-escalate police officers good police departments give you training in de-escalation getting everyone to keep stepping up the level of anger and aggression sooner or later is going to get to a bad place so we try to learn to de-escalate we need to do that with our spouse if one of us starts fighting and keep in mind you know we're, we're really trying to focus on the husband if the wife is getting upset with you about something okay we want to try to de-escalate we want to use a soft answer we want to we it's fine if we're angry about things but she doesn't have to know it we don't have to she should not get the sharp end of the stick labeled anger does that make sense right yeah so i've often I've often had ideals that I don't live up to in my marriage. And one of them has been that I never wanted to, I never wanted to raise my voice, never wanted to let my wife or my children see me upset or angry. And um, every once in a while, obviously 
you, you slip up and <laughs> something happens and you have to apologize. Uh, for me, I made it about, I don't know, three or four weeks, uh, maybe a couple months into our, I don't remember how far it was. We were on our honeymoon for quite a while. So we were on a cruise headed over to Europe and I slammed the door <laughs> on the, on our stateroom as I left our room one day. Was it on purpose? And man, uh, it was, was it, it on was, purpose? It it surprised me how how loud it was. <laughs> <laughs> was Sounds like, like it was I on think purpose. I just slammed the door, <laughs> <laughs> and that was something I never thought that I would do in my marriage. Uh-huh. Man, it shook, it shook me up just to realize that you can go into it with good intentions, and uh-huh. if you don't, and and you, if you don't have a good plan, things things go south, and things start to they start to kind of add up over time. Next thing you know, you got kids in the mix and things change totally. Like your plan for making a marriage work when uh-huh. it's just the two of you no longer works when you got two babies in the house. Well, mm-hmm. then once you got, you know, kids in school, you know, everything keeps changing and evolving. And pretty soon you're the minority, you and your spouse are the minority in the house. And there's so many different elements that come into play that you have to be intentional about having, having a plan and not getting, not getting angry over things when they're not going well. Uh, Proverbs twenty nine twenty two says, "An angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgression." And it's just something that I've never wanted my wife and kids to always think of me as an angry person. Um, I want that to be the I, not that I don't get angry about things, but I, I definitely want that to be out of the norm for them. I don't want them to think of me as having an angry disposition. Remember how my kids always look back and be like, oh yeah, my dad was a really angry man. Mm-hmm. Um, of course you get mad sometimes, but to me, oh, living in anger. Old dad, the door slammer. Yeah, <laughs> I remember him. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think living in anger mm-hmm. is and, and being an angry person is different than occasionally getting agitated, occasionally getting upset about something. There's two, there's something different. If you recognize that you're always angry mm-hmm. and that you're just kind of have people know you as an angry person, uh, always being mad about things, you probably need, you probably have a personal issue and it's not a marriage problem. It's a you issue. It's a personal issue that you need to deal with on on, on yourself and you can't I don't think there's any possible way to fix a marriage without dealing with you, you can't always try to fix the problems that are between you and your spouse if you're not willing to deal with the problems that you have personally and I know we we had an episode recently on mental health and dealing with your own issues but I've seen a lot of Christians that continue to go to the altar continue to pray continue to talk to their pastor about issues that they have in their marriage when it's pretty easy from the outside looking in to tell who's the problem in the marriage. It's like, it's pretty easy for anybody else to see it. Uh, it's pretty can easy I, to see that. They can I, to, yeah. Can I make it render a guess here? Is it yeah. the door slammer? Is he the one that's the problem? <laughs> well, at times for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, if you won't deal with those issues uh, mm-hmm. that you have on a personal level, you can't, you can't get anywhere with trying to, 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 well, I'm not saying you can't get anywhere, but it's a lot harder if somebody's not willing to deal with their own issues to then come together and solve uh, as a team. It's a, it's a, it's a very good point. If you are going to be a habitual door slammer, there is very little chance that your relationship is going to work between the two of you. Fair enough. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like I've earned myself a new nickname. I, yeah. I'm glad to hear that you've never slammed a door. I am so glad you pointed out one weakness of yours, one time in your life that was accidental that I can lord over you for the rest of my yeah, life. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, uh, I I think that all, everything you said is a really good point. Uh, and keep in mind, 
what we are trying to do is we are trying to help people where there is a husband and a wife who both love each other and they don't want to fight or they want their fighting to be better and nicer. That's what we're trying to do. This conversation isn't for the two people whose lives are just a train wreck and there are lots of things that they need to get right in their own life before they can be a part of a productive and successful couple that, you know, we, we can only conquer so many mountains in this one uh, podcast. Right. Okay, Caleb. <clears throat> uh, one thing that, again, and, and this is just kind of going along with the uh, with the idea of when we're fighting, uh, and we, we I brought up the idea of don't be mean. Uh, there is a, a good Bible verse for this in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11. It says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. So I'm going to say something here. And husbands, you need to listen up. This is the truth. If my wife gets mad when we are fighting, she gets mad at me for something I said, or my, my wife starts to cry, it's my fault. That's the deal. I didn't handle things well. It's my fault. There is a better way to say something. Maybe I shouldn't have said anything at all. Maybe it wasn't helpful. Maybe it wasn't kind. Maybe it wasn't necessary. Proverbs 25, 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. When we do well, the reaction we get tells us that we're doing well. It's obvious when we're going down the right path or when we are escalating the problem we are instigating a fight our feelings are hurt so we need to be mean back to somebody caleb do you know what a sign of strength is for a man it is the restraint of that strength strength is not demonstrated in its use strength is demonstrated in its restraint and it doesn't help me it doesn't help the situation and it doesn't prove that i am special or smart or talented if i am able to vanquish my wife in a conversation right if we're fighting the goal isn't that she cries and runs off and i'm like ha ha i I win win. (laughs) i mean that's not that's not a success the the whole idea okay we are commanded to love our wives ephesians chapter 5 that means we can't be a, a jerk we can't instigate a fight we must love our wives even when they are unlovable as a matter of fact you ready for this caleb loving your wife when she's cooking you brownies and wants to give you a foot rub while you're watching the game that doesn't count (laughs) yeah okay getting her flowers that afternoon doesn't count that's not loving right. your wife. Loving your wife takes place when it is hard to do it, when you don't want to love her, when she is unlovable. 
That is when we demonstrate love to our wives. Not when she is just, you know, the sweetest thing in the world and she's going out of her way to make our lives wonderful because it's our birthday. Right. So that's something that we have to remember. How am I treating my wife? How am I acting in this fight? Am I escalating or de-escalating? How does she respond to everything that I say? If she's getting more and more mad, if she bursts into tears, and and let's face it, okay? If I'm going to slam the door on my wife, she's going to cry about it, okay? Caleb drove his wife to tears. That doesn't make him a bad guy. He learned from that situation. He's probably a better man for it, Okay. I just wanted to stick up for you there at the end, Caleb. <laughs> yeah, I pre- no, I would, I would recommend at the end of each thing to bring that back up and figure out how to work that in. That's in case my wife does for some reason tune into this podcast episode at some point. We to audit, are she can pulling re- for it. That I we're all yeah, going to exactly. pray for you. Okay, that's what we're going to do. Okay, just so, remember, we are on your side. We're not with the door slammer. <laughs> Oh man. So a couple things there that, that, uh, you brought up that I think is, so as far as restraint, Mm -hmm. I was watching uh, recently, I was watching some videos of some of what's going on in Israel Mm -hmm. and how these so-called men, these male childs that went around as Hamas terrorists and ransacked and killed and raped and, um, mistreated women, took back hostages that were women and children. And I was thinking how, how it is very different in Christian and, and actually modern, thankfully we, in our kind of the modern age that we live in, it's not always been this way. There's been a lot of barbarians for years that had absolutely no standards, no problems with mistreating people. Yeah. But we are, we, we have a, we have values as Christians. We have biblical commandments to, to stick up for and protect our wives and our children and to be, and as a man, uh, physical violence to, to see a man resort to physical violence toward a woman or a child is such a reprehensible, horrible, repulsive thing that it makes me want to go join the IDF to go fight against Hamas and, and take out a bunch of those terrorists. There's something about it that no matter what, no matter what the values are, no matter what the fight is over, when, when a man doesn't restrain his strength and and is willing to get physical or harm somebody, and obviously this is an extreme example of it, but it is it is so, and this is why I brought up the anger thing. It is so horrible to me to see a marriage where the the husband does not restrain himself and allows himself to his anger to get the better of him, and he becomes a threat in a in a physical way or or whether it's emotional or whatever, where he becomes an unstable condition in the home where you wonder if the woman is safe. That is, that is the last thing that you ever want to be as a man. You should always have control over yourself. It's you're the only one that's responsible for that. So I, I, I think what you brought up there is, is very wise as far as I, I think that's the worst, the worst trait that you could have as a, as a husband is unrestrained strength and, uh, and being given to a, you know, a hot temper. Mm-hmm. I've been too close to too many marriages that were broken up because of this. And my only regret was that the wife wasn't able to get out of it sooner because the husband just couldn't control his temper. And, and eventually, you know, it, it ruined their marriage. Um, another thing that you were, 
discussing there, which I think is, um, is probably foreign to most people. So you brought up earlier this this idea of, of leading out as the husband and having a plan for your marriage and a plan for your for your family and a plan for for day to day things. And this is something that I've learned the hard way, and I'm still not good at it. And you're you're whatever five years ahead of me in marriage. Um, it's easy for a husband to wait to step up to the plate for for some tasks in the family that maybe you would think, oh, this kind of falls on my wife, whatever it might be, cooking, cleaning, things like that. If you see your wife slacking in something, failing in something, it's easy to wait till something becomes a disaster before you step in. And then uh, and then going in the kitchen and rage cleaning when, when your wife forgets <laughs> to do the dishes is not entirely helpful <laughs> in a marriage. So there's times where, there's times where, especially if your wife is pregnant or you're going through hard times, there's times where um, we need to step in and fill roles that we don't think is necessarily always our job. And it's not, not like that's always going to be your job, but there's going to be times where your wife is going through a downtime in her life. And as a mm -hmm. husband, sometimes we have to carry her through those times and be there to be strong. And there's times where she's strong for you, where you're dealing with, you know, whatever it is, stress, depression, anxiety, different things that you could be dealing with personally. And your wife steps up to the plate and, and handles some things for you. So I've, I've, it's kind of interesting how blindly young people go into a marriage. And I was thinking of this as you were talking, you go into a marriage blindly hoping for the best. And that hope is a fairy tale. If there's not a plan to get it, to get you there. And you just see people get further and further and deeper and deeper. And I I've seen it in my marriage where it's like every once in a while, it's like, Holy cow, this never was an issue before. And now it's like, you know, the, the whole, the whole scenario changes. And now you've got children in the mix. You've got, uh, your life, your life, your life evolves and changes. And if you don't have a plan, um, I think that's super important. So, um, you can continue on to your next point, but I was just thinking that that's, that is actually a pretty foreign idea, I think for most people, because men are, are told that you can't lead out, you know, uh, you're, you always meet in the middle, you meet halfway on everything. Uh, your wife is just, you know, she, she needs to get paid as much as you do. She's a feminist and you need to, uh, figure out how to, make this thing work where there's nobody in, in the lead. Well, if the guy that's in the lead, if the husband is, is in charge, you also have to be willing to do the dirty work or the hard things that you don't want to do um, and lead by example in that way. Yeah. You know what you were talking about? Um, you know, there are going to be times when you, you really need to, you need to be observant. You need to see how your wife's doing one more reason. Um, these regular meetings are really good uh, is because I am oblivious right. to so many things. So when I can meet and talk more regularly and, and we do it once a week, but there's nothing wrong with us sometimes having, you know, an extra meeting to talk about something. We might do that before we go to bed or, or, you know, or early in the morning, you know, over coffee, <clears throat> whatever the case is, if you're able to see your wife's having a hard time, she's going through some stuff, you know, for me, I've had to say, okay, well, what can I do here? So I, I, okay, I'm good. Here's what I'm going to do. You know, this night of the week, I'm going to make sure that I don't do anything else. I'm going to be home. I'm just going to work on the house. 
I'm going to sit upstairs and I'm going to get the laundry out and I'm going to fold laundry, you know, for several hours just to try to help you get caught up so that you don't feel so overwhelmed, you know, the next morning because, you know, things are busy and stuff's going on with family or whatever it is. It doesn't matter what it right. is. Um, it's a really good point. <clears throat> you got to remember, fellas, um, we're called men because it's hard. Okay, if it, if it was easy, they would whatever call it snowboarding um you know so it's hard being a man and it's okay when things are difficult and you're already working a lot and you got to add more onto it so what you know that's our job you ever have to pull a double shift you know you ever have to do it for an entire week okay that's our job right and i can tell you this what's really hard for guys is to think that I would take off of work in order to help my wife with whatever's going on and whatever she's going through. Because in a guy's brain, we never take off of work. Work is the thing that gives us our self-worth. That's where we find our value. That is the one thing that we feel we are in control of, and that's how we contribute. So we always do that. There's nothing wrong with taking a day off. Hey, you know what? I'm just going to I'm going to take a a day off, a Monday or a Friday. We're going to have a 3-day weekend and I'm going to help you catch up with whatever you want. Okay? That that's what I'm here to do. Just make me a list of chores and bada bing. That's what I'm going to do. That's also you want you want to know how to, you know, just make your wife not only love you, but go around town and start bragging to her friends and the ladies at church about you tell her hey do me a favor uh every whatever for for us we take saturdays off every sunday give me three things that you need done around the house just give me a list i'm going to start knocking them out you know or whatever every tuesday evening that's the time when i'm going to come home and i'm just going to start doing stuff on that list i might only get one thing done depending on what you need but you're going to give me a list and i'm just going to start ticking stuff off whatever it is all the annoying things that you hate around the house and every time you see them it just drives you nuts just give me a list this is the time of the week every week where i'm going to do it just to make you happy and less stressed out your wife will flat out kiss you on the mouth and brag to all of her friends about what a great husband you are and every single guy at church will hate you because they don't do that and you know your wife is telling their wives about how awesome you are and they're going to go home and complain to their husbands about how they suck and they're lazy and worthless and you're going to walk on water i'm telling you go ahead give it a shot all right i had one we are nearing an hour so we I got, yeah, go did, did you have anything else? Did you have something you wanted to jump in with on that? No, that's, I think on that, on that end, again, if we love our wives as Christ loved the church mm-hmm. and lay our lives down for them, um, oftentimes, again, the same thing is not always having to be right. Sometimes the right thing to do is, <clears throat> is to lay down whatever it is that you have, you know, you can have, you can be good on the professional level, show up and show out at work and then have your marriage and your home in a train wreck, lose your marriage. And really the reason you're going to work is to earn that paycheck to bring home to 
take care of your wife and your kids, right? Yep. <laughs> and so what's the point if your job gets in the way of your marriage to the point that you're not able to do it? And, and I've certainly had to, especially with flexible working hours and different being self-employed through the years, it's been so one of those things where you, you work can become a monster that takes over your life. And the, the reason you're doing it is to help with your family. And all of a sudden it starts hurting your family. Um, one other, one other point, uh, which is something that I should have brought up when you first asked as, as far as a fight. Um, I've oftentimes, I come into an, an argument with a, a, a few things that I try to remind myself of. I think I already mentioned two of them, you know, treat her as nice as I would somebody that I don't care about. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's at the very minimum. That sounds, at least, that's at a soundbite, brother. That's awesome. Treat your <laughs> wife as well as someone you don't care about. Can you say that again? Let's just get a few takes. Go ahead. Just roll right through them. We'll figure out which one's the best. <laughs> Yeah. So I think I already kind of broke that down earlier, but yeah, if I'm, if I'm going to, I need to, I need to at least treat her as nice as I would somebody that I, that I could care less about in the professional world. (laughs) So hopefully you can get your soundbite out of one of the things that I said there. Um, Another point is that I hadn't made. And that is when you come into an argument, it's, you're going to find it pretty easy to find what you're upset about in them. And they're going to find it pretty easy to find what they're upset about in you. And it's more helpful Sometimes, to me anyways, it's more helpful to me come into an argument planning to try to find something that I can improve in myself personally first mm-hmm. and and say, is there something that I've done on a personal level that has possibly contributed to this conflict or to this this issue that we're dealing with that I could do better with, regardless of what my wife could do better about regard, you know, try to try to make a note of something or even ask. Um, and sometimes I, I probably could take a good guess uh, and read between the lines of what I've done that would annoy my wife. Um, and so sometimes if you don't, if you don't know, but you have a good idea, sometimes bringing, uh, bringing something up that you think that you think that you could have done better, you should have done better or asking first off before you ever get into, get far into the fight. I found that it, it sort of lets them, it signals to them early on that, okay, I'm not, I'm not here to fight unreasonably. Okay, yes, maybe we have a disagreement, but I'm willing to be reasonable about the fact that I realize there's things I could do better. I could, I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have said that. I could do this better. Um, and it really, that's for me the, the number one way that I can start de-escalating a fight is is kind of take the first step in acknowledging. Like at the end of a fight, somebody's going to have to apologize. Somebody's going to have to say, okay, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said this. So be the first one, you know, be the man and be the first one to step up and try to take, try to take that. And it really, it really helps set a tone for the whole discussion after that. If you're willing to have some acknowledgement of the fact that maybe you, you could have done something better or different. Uh, that's, that's a good point. I'd like to add something on top of that. A uh, phrase that I've always liked is don't try to be right. Try to solve the problem. Right. Like, think of it as you guys are a team. Okay, you work for a company. Okay, you guys are working for God. And there's a failure in the family somewhere. Okay, what can we do to fix this? What can we do to make this better? What can I do to help you with this? And I've had to say that because sometimes I'll bring up an issue, you know, and I can feel my wife getting a little bit defensive and I'll go, whoa, 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 sweetie, I'm I'm not mad at you. I'm not upset that this happened. You know, I'm not trying to to blame you. I mean, let's face it. It was her fault. Okay, in this situation that. That's fine. I'm not, you know, that's not the point. What I'm saying is we both don't like the way this turned out. 
okay, what can I do to, to help you with this so that it doesn't happen again? You know, that's the goal. The goal isn't to, you know, point fingers and be like, okay, one point for Patrick, you know, uh, you know, Joanna messed this up. That's not, no, the goal is to try to make the thing better. So it, it works out the way you both want in the future. It's, it's not about trying to be right or wrong. It's about the two of you working together to, you know, solve a problem and, and make it better. All right, I just wanted to bring up one verse, uh, mostly because we are, you know, five minutes past an hour. I don't want to go two and a half hours tonight, so I'm going to skip a lot on the notes. But there is one verse in Colossians chapter three that I wanted to read through. It's actually uh, three or four verses. Uh, In Colossians chapter three, starting in verse 12, it says, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Now, this, these verses are talking about conflict between you and anybody else obviously we can apply these to a conflict between us and our spouse so if we are supposed to do this when quarreling with others how much more should we behave this way when quarreling with our wives and the, the the portions of the scripture here that really stuck out to me that i underlined are mercy kindness humbleness meekness long suffering forgiving one another so my job and and one of my favorite bible words is this word long suffering whenever i read in the bible god is long suffering with us he was long suffering with the nation of israel again and again and again and again and when we read about the nation of israel in the old testament it is a picture of of the individual Christian that God is dealing with in modern times. Now, I am not saying that me, the individual Christian, is the nation of Israel. That is that is not right. what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it can be the nation of Israel, but the nation of Israel can be personified. We can anthropomorphize the nation of Israel and look at it as the relationship between God and a person, me. And just like when the nation of Israel would fail and then they would get right with God and they'd fail again and they'd fail again, it would go on and on. And God was constantly long suffering. He would suffer their iniquities for a long time. He wanted things to go well. So he would have patience and put up with so much disobedience. In the same way, I have to have this idea with my wife if my wife has a bad attitude if my wife is failing in some area if my wife is just careless and you know is is being contentious i have to be long-suffering i have to be meek that means i have to think less of me and more of others i have to have mercy and kindness i need to be humble i need to forgive them 
these are the things I need to do when I have a conflict. The, the, Bible, the King James Bible word is a quarrel. Whenever I am quarreling with my wife, I need to act in these ways. This is what God commands me, and I have to forgive her because as I remember here, even as Christ forgave me. And here's something to remember. When Christ forgave me, he didn't bring it up again. Jesus wasn't like, hey, you remember back when I was on that cross? I forgave <laughs> you for all that nonsense you did all your life. He doesn't bring it up again. Okay, he's like, nope, we're forgetting that stuff. We are uh, moving past it, and we are going to uh, figure out a way where we can just do better. So that, that portion of Scripture, Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, uh, I really think is a good portion of scripture for husbands to read and just to remember we need to treat our wives the way that god commands us to treat any anybody in the world whenever we're having a problem it certainly extends to our wives it is our fault as the husband if things are falling apart in our home in our marriage if we're constantly fighting we are the ones that god put in charge so we need to take the reins and we need to get the ship back on course. We need to work as hard as is necessary, put in whatever amount of time and money is required. We have to pay for professional help if that's what's needed. We have to do whatever we can, whatever we must do in order to get our family doing well. It's our job. God's not going to ask our wife to stand before him and explain a a failing home and family one day he's going to look to the husband so uh we we need to learn how to do this your thoughts caleb as we close yeah i think i think taking the seriousness that you that you just outlined there as far as it being your job there's and i've brought this up to my wife multiple times when we were having a discussion or disagreement about something that listen in my mind um so you you brought up the fact that it's you're on a team like like you would be in a company. Mm -hmm. Well, in, in the case of a team with marriage, uh, uh, the biblical marriage that I believe in, is that um, it's not only that I'm a team member of a company, but the company owns me. Like mm -hmm. my marriage, when I signed up for marriage, I belong to my wife, she belongs to me, and this is a forever covenant. I don't see divorce as a way out. Mm -hmm. And when you take that off the table and you realize that you're not – that's that's not an option to fail in that way and you're stuck with it and uh it it puts a totally different light on it and i think that's something that has possibly been lost in at least in the american church is divorce is so common that's like well if all else fails you know i can always get a get a new wife <laughs> and so obviously that that makes a big difference when you're not only committed uh, ideally, but you're practically and, and, and literally committed to the marriage and realize that you are one with your spouse. You signed up for this. You gave yourself. Um, there's a verse in the Bible. I should have had it pulled up. Um, and I think it's in first Corinthians chapter six. And this doesn't specifically re refer to us in our, with our wives, but it says that our, that we've been bought with a price and that our body is belongs to God. And I should, I think I'll, you to find it here. Um, uh, yeah. First Corinthians six, verse 18 says, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What, you know, 
Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, and ye have God, and ye are not your own. For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Reminding yourself of this, and for me, reminding myself of this, that I am not my own. I've been bought with a price. Uh, as far as my walk with God, it, there is some similarity to a marriage and to a covenant with God. And so when you when you go into a conflict with anybody else in the world, realizing, hey, I, they can insult my my body, they could insult, uh, they can, they could wrong me, they could uh, steal from me, they could hurt me. And yet, it's just my body, which does not belong to me. It's been bought with a price, I belong to God, it puts a different light on on that conflict at that point. And the same thing goes for a marriage as well. When you realize that you belong to God, but you also belong to your spouse. Uh, it, it really, I think it really puts a different, when you take that ownership aspect out of it, you don't necessarily own your ego. You don't own your reputation. You don't own, you know, if your wife thinks something that's inaccurate of you, um, your, your pride and, and, and what you want, what you wish people think about you, that does not belong to you either. It belongs to her and it belongs to God. You've been bought with a price. And so that really makes a difference for me when I am going through an argument to remind me of some of those things. It's it's not only it's a blessing when you think of it. When you when you're owned by God, when you have been when 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 God gives when you're dead to sin and you're alive in Christ, that's a huge blessing. And and it gives you a new lease on life. The same thing with a marriage. There's a lot of blessing in a marriage. And and I think that uh, we can enjoy that when we when we realize that we are uh, we are one. We belong to each other, and we don't. There's no competition at that point. You can't compete with your wife when you are both one and and you belong to each other. He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. I don't remember where that is. It's somewhere in the Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs eighteen twenty two. It's a good one. You know, Caleb, you brought up something. You know, and we. I don't want to get sidetracked into a discussion on divorce, but it's so easy to do because every single Christian in the world knows like five people who are, you know, going through uh, a divorce and some people that just finished up a divorce and other people that are headed for a divorce. And I've I've, I've often wanted to ask, like kind of take a survey and ask this question, but at the same time, it doesn't seem reasonable or tactful, but I've wanted to talk to Christians who have gotten a divorce and ask them like, Hey, when you got married, uh, did you ever consider that divorce was a possibility? You know, well, no, you know, I wasn't thinking of that. Okay. And did you mean the vows when you got married? Yeah. All right. So what happened? You know, like, right. <laughs> at, at what point did you, did you decide that, yeah, I'm just going to change my mind about, you know, both of those things. Uh, I'm, I'm fine with the concept of divorce now. And, uh, you know, what I said when I got at the altar, when I got married, that's not important. And, um, you know, I'm going to figure out a way to, you know, to justify this now. I don't know how to say, take a survey, you know, and ask those questions without people just getting mad at you and hanging up on you. But you kind of got to wonder, right? you know, I mean, so obviously there's a point in someone's life when they decide, eh, you know what? Um, I don't care. I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to talk about the D word. We're going to go ahead and get a lawyer involved and we're going to, you know, we're going to do this thing rather than my marriage is broken and I'm going to fix it. 
I'm not just going to throw out the car and get a new one. I'm just going to go start getting the oil changed and I'm going to start, you know, paying whatever it is to, uh, to get the parts fixed so we can get this thing running right again. Uh, Caleb, yeah. I had, I'm going to tell you a quick story and then, then we should really go. Cause we're at an hour and a quarter. I had someone talking to me, this was many, many, many years ago, and they were explaining to me a concern that they had about the person that they were expecting to propose to them okay so this was a young lady and she explained a story to me about you know something that she had heard about um her boyfriend and in one of his previous relationships and you know apparently him and his girlfriend you know were having a knockdown drag out fight and they were yelling at each other and and anyway, they, they broke up and it was a real ugly scene. And I guess, you know, he, uh, um, you know, told her to get out and, uh, you know, he, you know, grabbed a bunch of her stuff and threw it out on the lawn. And she was like, oh, if he ever did that, you know, to me, you know, I wouldn't put up with that. You know, I would leave him. I said, well, then you shouldn't get married. Right. And she said, what? I said, if that's your line in the sand then you should not get married. I said, first of all, it's a pathetic and stupid line in the sand. I mean, give me a break. Okay, married couples have real problems. That is not a real problem. It's a terribly stupid thing that he did. And no, he should not have done that. And obviously, I'm sure afterward, he felt stupid and ashamed for doing that. And his girlfriend probably felt stupid, you know, and embarrassed for, you know, the event and what happened. And everyone looking back in hindsight would say, yeah, we all could have handled that better. No one's justifying the behavior. But I'm saying, if that's your line in the sand, what happens when, you know, you guys lose your jobs and you lose your house? and you're living in a trailer down by the river and your husband is so stressed out about it, you know, and he's got creditors banging on the door and he starts drinking and develops a drinking problem. Right. Well, <laughs> that's that does happen. a bigger problem. <laughs> yeah. Like you understand that, that that is a realistic possibility. Like how do you think people get hooked on alcohol and pills and all the, you know, these things happen. What it, it if your line in the sand was such a pathetic and stupid one, which is basically, you know, one knockdown drag out fight from two young, immature people in a relationship, if that's your line in the sand, do not get married. Because when a real problem shows up, guess what? You ain't going to stick around because your husband, when that happens, when he loses his job and he can't pay the bills and, you know, and you have to move into a van down by the river and he gets stressed out, uh, you know, he, he doesn't need a wife that kicks him out of the house. He needs a cheerleader. Right. He needs someone on his team trying to encourage him. You can do this. I fear that far too many people just have that attitude rather than, you know, we're a team. We're going to figure this out. Uh, it's okay. You screwed up real bad, but Hey, you know, here we go. Let's, let's fix this. Let, let's make this work. It's worth saving. It's worth putting in the time and the energy. Okay. We got to stop. Uh, thank you, Caleb, for joining us. That was a great evening talking about how to fight with our wife. 
I honestly was hoping it would go in a different direction. You know, I was going to, I was going to say the idea is, you know, because my wife's a lefty, that means you want to work her around to the right, you know, and she drops her, her hand when she jabs. So the way you come, no, I'm just joking. <clears throat> That's just, you know, boxing humor, pugilism. Uh, but uh, th- this was a great conversation. I do hope this gets passed around to a couple husbands and maybe it'll be a help to somebody. We definitely went over a lot of Bible verses. Hopefully we gave everyone something to chew on. Please join us every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Central. You can find us on the Bible Thumper Podcast YouTube channel, the Bible Thumper Podcast Facebook page, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you would, help us out. Go to BibleThumperPodcast.com, like the page, like the YouTube feed, like the Facebook page, find a podcast, rate, subscribe, share it. It helps get this podcast out in front of other people. I apologize. Go to YouTube. Go to YouTube and leave some crazy comments. Patrick always loves those. Yeah, I always respond. The more comments, the better. (laughs) Yeah, make them long. Yeah, not just a couple encouraging words. I mean, really dissect all the different ways that we are heretical and that we failed the Lord God and how He's mad at us and that you know. Be sure to remind us that we are false prophets in a wolf in sheep's clothing. That always gets a response, and and everybody finds it to be a reasonable comment and very helpful. You. know nobody thinks you're crazy (laughs) so with that we're going to let you go we'll see you next sunday night uh i don't know what we're talking about or who's going to be in the studio but it will be exciting so until then have a great week